Today, we're continuing our mailbag segment with some more real life scenarios to talk through. We're gonna talk about leaving hospital employment and making sure you have tail, comparing rates for telemedicine states, and practicing bear, essentially without insurance. Stay tuned. Welcome to Malpractice Insights, the show dedicated to helping healthcare professionals understand medical malpractice insurance and providing you with the solutions you need so that you can get back to the work of practicing good medicine. My name is Jennifer Wiggins, CEO of Aegis Malpractice Solutions, and I'm so glad you've joined us today. All right, let's jump in. Question number one in our mailbag today says, I am a CRNA who is currently employed by a hospital, and I'm planning on leaving to go 1099. I know that I have claims made coverage today, but the hospital says that I don't need tail. That doesn't make sense based on what I know of claims made policies. What do you think? Okay, so this question came in just the other day from a CRNA who's getting ready to leave the W-2 world and go to an independent contractor status. And actually, this is becoming a pretty common trend. So this is happening more and more from what I've seen. So if you're leaving a hospital and you're going off on your own, you definitely need to make sure that you don't need tail insurance when you leave. So if you're employed by a hospital, and particularly if a hospital is self-insured, which most of them are these days. Usually you don't have to worry about tail insurance, but it's really important that you still ask this question just to make sure you're crossing all your T's and dotting all of your I's. So you're currently insured under their program, but when you leave, there's no need for you to buy your own individual tail because the hospital will actually continue covering you because they're not canceling their insurance plan. They're going to continue it, keep it active as they continue to hire more providers and for the years and years ahead. So there's basically like a departed list of all of the people who used to be insured under their policy, but no longer work for them. So if a claim ever comes in for something that happened when you worked for the hospital, you will still have coverage underneath that hospital's self-insured policy. And you don't need to buy a tail when you leave because... They're keeping that policy active. So you'll be covered under that policy just in case something happens in the future. You normally don't need to worry about it. But as I instructed the CRNA the other day, make sure you get something in writing. Most of the time, the hospital can get you a letter that explains the fact that you'll continue to be covered under their program even after you've departed and that there's no need for you to buy tail insurance. So again, get that in writing, but normally when you leave a hospital, there's no need for you to have to buy tail. All right, our second question in the mailbag today says, I am an emergency medicine doctor in Indiana who is starting a side gig doing virtual urgent care work. I'm licensed in both Indiana and Florida, so I'm exploring coverage options for both states. How does malpractice insurance work for this? Okay, so this ER doctor that I spoke to the other day is currently employed and he does have a full-time job working for a practice in Indiana. And he does have malpractice insurance for the work that he does there. So he truly is just looking for like a supplemental malpractice policy for moonlighting work that he wants to do on the side. So how does that work? 
Well, it's relatively simple to just get a part-time policy for the work that you want to do. And with telemedicine, the way that carriers will rate this policy is based on what states you're working in and what percent of practice you'll be doing in each state. So this particular doctor was going to be working in both Indiana and potentially in Florida. So what we did was we gave him some rates for Indiana and then I gave him rates for Florida. And as you might suspect, the Florida rates were significantly higher than the Indiana premiums, which definitely made him think twice. So the next thing the underwriter looks at is the percent of practice in each state. So you kind of have to have an idea of what your volume is going to look like in each state. So if the majority of the patients he's gonna treat are gonna be based in Indiana, then the majority of the rate will be the Indiana rate. But if he's gonna be doing the majority of his work in Florida, then they'll probably charge you the Florida rate, but you'll be covered for both states. So hopefully that makes sense. So they're looking at, again, the states that you're practicing in, the percent of practice in each of the states, and then they'll determine what price is appropriate based on the amount of time that you're spending in each place. So again, keep that in mind. And as you're exploring adding more states, make sure you're talking to your agent or your broker to figure out how that might impact your rate. Because if you add a state and it significantly increases your price, you just need to make sure that that's still gonna be a, be a good business decision for you because it could be way more expensive than you really anticipate. All right, our last question in the mailbag today says, Hello, I am a plastic surgeon in Miami, Florida, and my malpractice rates keep going up every single year. I've never had a claim, but the price is getting to the point where I don't think I can continue to practice. It's more than I can afford. I know that some providers go bare in Florida, but that worries me. What are your thoughts? Okay, so this provider unfortunately is experiencing what's really, really common in Florida, particularly when it comes to surgical specialties. So surgical rates in Florida have historically always been pretty high, and there are certain parts of Florida where rates are much, much higher than other parts of the state. And generally that's in Miami, West Palm, or that particular area of the state. If you're practicing in that part of Florida, you're probably paying some of the highest malpractice premiums in the entire country. So it's unfortunate that they, this doctor in particular is experiencing exactly that. So rates that are going up and up, and it has nothing to do with him individually. It's just that those jurisdictions are generally not very favorable. And so carriers have to raise their rates to make sure they're adequately funded. So that's why in the state of Florida, we are seeing a lot of doctors decide to go bare. So rightly so, that's a little worrisome because you're essentially saying you're gonna practice without malpractice insurance. In the state of Florida, you're allowed to do that, but there are a few things you have to do. Number one, you have to make sure your patients know that you're practicing without malpractice insurance. And secondly, you have to be able to show financial responsibility. So you have to be able to show that you've got either a line of credit or a bond up to a certain amount of money. I think it's two hundred dollars or $300,000. You have to be able to prove that you could pay if necessary to cover um, a lawsuit if you were still sued. But if you can prove that and your patients are aware that you don't have malpractice insurance, you're allowed to practice without it. So that is an option. It's not something I necessarily recommend, but I totally understand that if the rates are getting to be so astronomically high, that that's something you may need to consider. 
So the one thing I would always suggest is if you're not already, make sure you're working with an agent or a broker that's really knowledgeable in the marketplace because you know you, the market changes frequently and there might be carriers who could offer you something a little bit more affordably. Now you're not gonna find anything that's gonna be cheap by any means, but if you are working with an agent or a broker that can shop around for you on a regular basis, then you can make a more intelligent decision on whether or not you can find a policy that's somewhat affordable or if you might need to make a different choice. So I agree, it's worrisome and I don't ever recommend that doctors go bare, but I do understand that sometimes it can be a really difficult decision. One last thing I'll mention about going bare, if you do decide to make that choice and forego malpractice insurance altogether, it's really difficult for you to come back and get new malpractice insurance after you've been working without it for a number of years. And that's because you're now seen as a little bit higher risk. So if you've been practicing without insurance for three, four, five years, and then you decide you wanna go buy it again, it's gonna be much more difficult for you to find a carrier that's willing to approve you because you've basically been gapped for a significant amount of time. So that's another thing you just need to be aware of before you make that choice to go bare. You just need to know what the long-term ramifications are. If you have any questions on these topics or you want to make sure that you're covered appropriately, click the link in the description box below where you can connect with us via phone email, or chat today. And if you're listening, please visit us online at aegismalpractice.com. That's A-E-G-I-S malpractice.com. And don't forget to give us a like and please leave a review. Your feedback and support really does help us to reach more people. And we're so grateful for your clicks and your kind words. This is Jennifer Wiggins. Thanks for joining us.